Welcome to Fearless Mom. Today is our third installment of our series, Ain't Nobody Got Time For That. We started out talking about entitlement, and then Deborah Meyer uh, did an amazing message on family drama, and today we will talk about overparenting and underparenting, because as we all know, ain't nobody got time for that. So let's go ahead and welcome in our online moms, online moms. We want you to know that we are grateful that somebody really smart figured out how to capture audio and video so that we can reach out to you, cheer you on, and let you know that you are not alone, that you can do this. And as a matter of fact, we want to help you do this and maybe laugh a little bit along the way. So there's a group of moms in Austin cheering you on. Let's cheer for them girls because we are walking alongside you and it may encourage you to know that we don't know what we're doing either. So um, let's go ahead and start with a word of prayer. God, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that you comfort us, encourage us, counsel us, walk alongside us as we tackle this overwhelming blessing of being a mom. Right now, God, I ask that you settle our hearts and our minds, that you open our eyes and our ears to see and hear what you want us to see and hear today so that we can be the moms we created to be to raise up these kids to be who you created them to be. In Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Now, you guys know that Mac and I have two children. Um, Emily is 22. Mac is 20. But um, those of you who know me well um, probably wouldn't be surprised to hear that I was once kicked out of a playgroup when my children were younger. Kicked out maybe a little harsh, if I think about it, because it wasn't really an organized play group. Like, we didn't meet always on the same time or, you know, at the same place. I just noticed after a while that I wasn't being invited to see these moms like I at first was. And I wasn't meeting up with them um, quite as often as we had before. And it, it took me a little while, as I reflect back on it now, it's possible... I see what happened. Um, you see, there was a mom in this playgroup. I vividly remember her sharing with everyone that um, at every meal for her baby, she measured out how much, you know, how many ounces of vegetables and how many ounces of protein she was giving her child. And I'm not sure I said it out loud, but I'm sure my face revealed, wow, I mean, I'm just happy I remember to feed them. You know, and so I'm hoping I didn't say that out loud. It's possible I did, but um, maybe that was it. Or if I think back on it, it actually could have been. I do specifically remember we were at the playground one day, and one of the kids, it may have been mine, probably was Joseph, um, drinking the bubbles. And one of the moms noticed that Joe was drinking the bubbles and said, oh, my gosh, he's drinking the bubbles, to which I replied, don't they say non-toxic? Yeah, pretty sure if I think hard enough, that was probably the moment at which uh, collectively they decided that perhaps um, I did not fit with these moms, that we were not on the same page. It is true 
that there were times when I was laid back. As a matter of fact, there were probably times when I was a little bit too laid back, too laid back for my own good or for the good of my children. At the same time, though, if I think back, there were times that I was too laid back, but there were also times when I was a little bit too into it. Um, I don't know if you guys know, but I always think I'm witnessing a crime. Like always. I am always memorizing license plate numbers. I am always taking note of people in the airport. I always think something is going down. There was a time in our marriage where Max said, you know what, um, I don't think you should be allowed to watch any show that says based on a true story. Because I'm that person that watches America's Most Wanted, literally believes I know everyone there. Uh, you know, I'm watching, I'm like, I think I saw her at church. I totally think she dropped off her kid in the nursery. Oh, my word. She has been a fugitive for 28 years. You know, I'm that kind of person. So when we go into, there was a a toy store called Kid Genius that I remember we used to go into, and I vividly remember those people probably thought I was wacko. So I go in, and I remember asking the lady, now, um, can you tell me where all the exits and entrances are to this store? And she said, well, you know, the entrance right there. I said, there's no loading dock. There's no back door where you unload. And I'm sure she was like, wow, pull it together. And, um, and so she said, well, there's one in the back. I said, thank you very much. And so I kept my eyes on all those exits because I was ready if somebody were to take my child. And so I made sure that my children knew what to do in case of emergency. I mean, I had watched every, you know, keep your child safe video. I was ready in case somebody tried to take my children. Now, I will say this. Odds are, if they took Emily, they would have brought her back. (laughs) But but the truth is, I was a little bit over the top about that. I was hovering just a little too much. It took me um, years and years. And to be honest, it all kind of comes back when they start driving. Because it's as if moms believe we have this supernatural ability to protect our children if we're just close to them. If I'm in the car, nothing will happen. If I'm, it's, I don't know. I don't know what that is. There were times when I was over the top and there were times when I was a little too laid back. Now, perhaps you've never been released from a playgroup or you've never, um, you know, taken down everyone's, Uh, license plates in the parking lot of a toy store but you understand the tension managing the tension that pull between parenting too much and parenting too little you understand that pull that decision-making process that we go through between is it time for me to step in and help or is it time for me to step back is it time for me how do I know when I should intervene and parent and help and when I should let go and let them grow and I believe that is a tension that we all have to manage every day. I think every stage is different. I think every day is different. But I do believe, even though I gave you some silly examples of our own life, that we know, based on studies and research, that overparenting and underparenting can actually be extremely detrimental to our children's emotional, social, relational, and spiritual growth. 
And so if you think about it, if you read, and you know, I'm so, I love to study trends because I love to see is there something out there that we can do to make things better because the trends now are saying that, you know, we say it all the time that these young adults are emotionally fragile and they're not able to handle the everyday hits and hurts. And so I think, is there something we can do to change that or is that just the way it's going to be? Good news. Good news. All of the research shows that there are choices we can make and actions we can take that will help us manage that tension, that tension between overparenting and what we will call today helicopter parenting and underparenting, what we will call hands-off parenting. And the reason I put these two together in one lecture is ironically, even though they're opposites, if you think about it, hovering and over-parenting and hands-off and letting-go parenting, the results are the same. Because if you look at what happens when you hover, when you helicopter parent, what happens? You interrupt and disturb and inhibit that child's emotional, social, relational, and spiritual growth. The same can happen if you underparent and let go because a parent who is hands-off, see, allows the child to make their own decisions before they're ready, allows the child to do all the choosing before they have all the information. And so the result of both is insecure, sometimes anxious, sometimes depression. Kids who are not equipped to be strong, independent, competent young adults. And I believe that there are a couple of things that cause both. If you think about it, there are a couple of things that are as different as they sound. Overparenting and underparenting, helicopter and hands-off parenting. Actually, they are a result of some of the same symptoms. And so that's what I want to talk about today. I want us to look at, honestly... Why would I overparent? What drives me to be a helicopter parent? And how can I keep myself from being a helicopter parent? Because I know that you guys love your kids as much as I love mine. Almost every parent I know, there are a few rare, rare, rare examples. But every parent I know personally loves their kids and wants what is best for them. But something happens, and it interrupts our focus, and that's when, if we're not careful, if we're not intentional, we can fall into that trap of our pendulum, our parenting pendulum, swinging one way to helicopter parent or the other way to hands-off parent. And what we want to do is instead of our pendulum swinging one way or the other, we want to find this right here. We want to find the happy medium of parenting where we're embracing our authority, but we are not falling into the fear. So that's the first thing that I believe causes the overparenting or the underparenting. Both are a result of often fear because a mom maybe has a fear of her child failing, maybe a, a fear of her child being disliked, Maybe a fear of doing the wrong thing. And sometimes when we're afraid of doing the wrong thing, we do nothing. And that's where it affects the hands-off parenting. So fear drives a lot of the 
over-parenting and under-parenting, pendulum swing. And then second, fear and then also happiness. Well, how can happiness drive the parenting pendulum? If you choose to focus on your child's happiness, then you will miss out on finding that balance of the parenting pendulum. Because when I let my kids' happiness drive my parenting, when my focus is fear or when my focus is happy, then what happens, oh, my child, I want my child to be happy, so I'm going to intervene and not allow them to suffer the consequences. I want my child to be happy, so I will let him choose what he wants to eat all the time or where she wants to go to school. Even though he or she may not be mature enough to make that decision, may not have all the information when I focus on happiness or when I focus on fear my parenting pendulum is out of whack and it's one extreme or the other so as we start today I want to I want to talk about those definitions you have in your notes because our extremes the over parenting we're going to call helicopter parenting helicopter parenting these are parents when parents shield the child from struggle hurts sadness or natural consequences of the child's actions and when you are a helicopter parent parents unknowingly prevent the development of a child's independence competence and resilience when you intervene when you an option an example of this may be intervening and fixing the situation so that your child has no consequences talking to the coach ahead of time to make sure your child gets a position doing what you need to do to fix it so your child never hits any bumps preparing the path for the child instead of preparing the child for the path this is helicopter parenting doing everything for the child and never allowing him to do it on his own some people believe that helicopter parenting comes into play elementary and middle school I will tell you that this is something you work on in your home the moment you know you're pregnant you go ahead and have the mentality what is our focus what is our goal when that child begins to reach for toys as a newborn then you let them work let them struggle let them figure it out instead of doing it all for them you can see as a mom how that could inhibit their physical development and so that applies to physical social emotional development and spiritual development that is helicopter parenting the other extreme when the pen, the parenting pendulum swings hands-off parenting again both of them are the natural response to fear and to happiness wanting happiness for your kids hands-off parenting this is when parents allow their children to make their own decisions with little or no instruction or guidance. Children make choices and decisions they are not informed or educated enough to make and fail to learn and understand. Here's the critical part of hands-off parenting. What we do, what we inhibit when we do this hands-off parenting, they fail to learn to understand and embrace authority. They fail to learn and understand to embrace authority authority we're going to talk about this so much more i am passionate about teaching our children a healthy respect of and understanding of authority because authority means safety 
And so we're going to talk about that in just a minute. I can't get distracted right now, but it's so, so, so important. Hands-off parenting, though, when the child chooses everything. Um, You know, uh, I had a picky eater, so I know all about it. Um, And so what would happen, Joseph went through a stage where um, he actually um, was not gaining weight when he was um, four, and he was actually losing weight. He was sick a little bit, and so um, I had to take him in to be weighed, and there were only a handful of things that Joseph liked to eat. Um, He ate a grilled cheese. This may surprise you, but he ate chicken nuggets and french fries and and pizza. And and so my temptation was to let him eat those things because that would make him gain weight. And he liked those things. That was my temptation. That was what he wanted. That's what made him happy. But my responsibility was to make sure that Joseph understood he needed to eat protein, fruits, and vegetables. And so sometimes we cater to their happiness, and that's when that hands-off parenting becomes detrimental. Um, I actually read about a pediatrician who had a preteen come into his um, office, and the preteen had a rash on her face and around her mouth, and he, it was very clear she was malnourished. And, she, and the pediatrician told the mom, well, this is a simple fix. Um, She just needs to eat more, I can't remember what it was, let's say broccoli. Um, She needs more um, vegetables. To which the mom replied, oh, she won't eat that. So see, at that point, the pediatrician noticed, okay, there's no authority in this situation. And the lack of authority in this situation is inhibiting the child's physical development and physical health. So authority is a big deal when it comes to making decisions like that. Um, So that hands-off parenting is when the parent allows the child to do whatever he pleases, whatever he chooses. Um, Again, it's interesting to me that some of the same people who over-parent are the ones who underparent. Their pendulum swings from one way to the other. And again, I believe that that's because as different as they appear, both are a result of fear and the search of happiness. I think what we have to remember, though, if we're going to avoid the big pendulum swings, which we've all agreed that we want to raise up a generation of independent, competent, strong young adults, so in order to do that, our pendulum is going to have to settle somewhere here. There's a myth out there that you're going to find balance. There's a myth out there that you're going to find a perfect recipe and your pendulum is going to rest and then you can share it with all the other moms. The truth is that our pendulum is always going to move a little. If you consider a grandfather clock, that's what you want. You want just a little movement because every situation is going to be different. Every day is going to be different. The moment you find the perfect rhythm, your kid's going to change. And so, you know, oh man, no, I, my child sleeps through the night. He has three nights in a row. Oh, I hope you have a good night for Oh, no, he eats every three hours all the time. That's just his rhythm. You know, we've just, I just worked on it. You know, it's just, okay, well, good luck tomorrow. And um, good luck when you share that with your play group. You're going to get dismissed too. And so what we're looking for is managing the tension, not finding the balance, because balance is a myth. It's a constant struggle that you will always find yourself in. But I believe that if you fix your focus, you can find your managing the tension, not balance. You can find how to manage that tension. So what we're going to do today is work on our focus. Fix your focus. Turn to your neighbor and say, fix your focus. Fix your focus. Our focus 
is what's our job here? What's my role here? Every article, every blog post, every well-meaning relative that happened to give you some advice over the holidays, um, you know, has a different opinion. So let's settle it. What does God say our focus is? What, what can we hang our hat on? And so let's, we're going to define this as Goldilocks parenting. See, so it's not one extreme. It's not the uh, helicopter or the hands-off. It's Goldilocks. Why? Because Goldilocks was always looking for what was just right. And so here we are. It, the bed is too hard. This one's too soft. Oh, but this one is what? Oh, that's right. This one's too hot. This one's too cold. But this one is what? So that's what we're going for. We're going to find just right. What's our goal? Let's fix our focus. Goldilocks parenting is when parents equip a child to become a competent, independent adult. Here it goes. By gradually transferring responsibility to the child. Gradually transferring responsibility. Gradually transferring responsibility. It's over and over and over again. We're going to talk about this in detail next spring. And so um, I have a hard time not focusing too much on each point, but trust me, we're going to go into it in detail next spring. Today is more like an overview. So Goldilocks Parenting, transferring responsibility to the child. Parents build a relationship of trust where the child understands that the parent is the authority. Everybody say authority. Authority. Some of you were a little slow to say that. Let's go ahead and say authority. You've got to embrace authority. And has the child's best interest in mind. It is important for us to remember the Bible gives parents the responsibility to be the child's authority. What does the Bible say? The Bible gives parents the responsibility to be the child's authority. We must choose to embrace the responsibility of being the authority. Authority is often a bad word, when in reality, authority gives children security and comfort. And so when we embrace the responsibility of authority, when we understand what healthy authority is, then we are creating the perfect scenario to set our kids up for a win. But it all starts there. You've got to understand your responsibility. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Deuteronomy 6.6.7 6, also gives the responsibility to the parent. It says, And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them. You see, God is giving the authority to whom? The parent. The parent is the authority. It is the parent's responsibility to train up a child. That automatically gets you out of hands-off and helicopter because my responsibility is to train a child, to train up a child, to transfer responsibility. Fixing your focus on your responsibility is what will keep your pendulum Goldilocks style, just right. Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. Children, obey your parents. God commands children to obey whom? 
your parents because the parents have the responsibility to be the authority. Obey your parents because you belong to the Lord for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. Um, This is a great family memory verse, just FYI. Um, But our responsibility is to embrace the authority that we've been given. Now, we have to understand what authority means because some of you may have grown up with an unhealthy authority. Let me clarify. Authority is neither dictator nor BFF. Okay? Authority is neither dictator nor BFF. It involves a little bit of both, actually. But we have to understand what authority is. And you have to be honest with yourself and talk to your husband, talk to your friends. What is our stance on authority? Maybe you came from a home where um, you were allowed to do whatever you want and authority was a bad word. I want to encourage you to look at what the Bible says and to look at a biblical authority, a healthy authority. God is our ultimate authority, and we know that his commands are there for our best interest. And so when we see that as our model, we are more likely to embrace healthy authority for our children because my rules in my home are for my kids best interest. When we see God as our model of authority, we're better able to understand the role of authority. Um, So first thing you have to do, now we're going to dig through some real quick practical ways that you can manage the tension of your Goldilocks parenting and find your pendulum swing. Um, So be the authority. Turn to your neighbor and say, be the authority. Oh, you know, guys, I mean, I can tell in this room there is a resistance to authority. Online moms, I pray you do not have the resistance to authority that our Austin moms do. We're going to go offline and maybe have a special lesson on authority just for these girls right here. But let's try it one more time. Turn to your neighbor and say, be the authority. authority. Guys, authority is not bad. Authority brings security. Authority brings safety. We have to embrace the authority. Authority. See how I'm smiling when I say authority? See how I'm smiling? I want you to smile when you say authority. You know, it's so good. It's so healthy. So, what is the first thing? We have to, if we're going to parent with authority, we have to find, we have to fight for, we have to dig deep and find wisdom, discernment, and common sense. Wisdom, discernment, and common sense. Why? Because parenting is basically making a bunch of decisions all the time. I mean, if you really consider what we're doing here, whether you're talking about discipline, whether you're talking about the preschool you're going to choose, you're talking about what, uh, how much allowance to give your child, whatever you're talking about, whatever stage you're in, parenting is basically a bunch of decisions, day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute. And to make those decisions effectively and wisely, you have to find, dig deep, discover, get yourself some wisdom, discernment, and common sense. A lot of people believe that wisdom only comes with age. I would tell you that God gives a supernatural wisdom to those who ask for it, to those who search for it. So yes, you will be wiser the older you get, ideally. You will be wiser, but you can pray for the wisdom now. You don't have to experience it to get it. And so what you need to do is, number one, pray. Reach out. Reach out to God. Reach out to wise people around you. Reach out. 
pray, 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 pray. God, give me the wisdom, the discernment, and the common sense. And then second, read Proverbs. Prayer and Proverbs. I can't say it enough. Proverbs, there are 31, and I read it all. If I know a big decision in our family, in our church, in our ministry is coming up, I will read Proverbs every day. It settles my heart to hear God's wisdom. And so it's prayer and Proverbs, prayer and Proverbs. If you're really wanting wisdom, discernment, and common sense, because we have agreed, common sense is not common. It's actually very uncommon. I don't even know who came up with the term common sense, because it is uncommon. And fear, as we said earlier, fear drives that pendulum swing real big. Fear is the enemy of common sense. You have irrational thoughts. Throw in there hormones, lack of sleep, and a diet of goldfish and gummy bears. And and odds of you thinking clearly, slim to none. And so as moms, all the decisions we make, wisdom, discernment, and common sense, prayer and Proverbs, prayer and Proverbs, prayer and Proverbs. Also, be careful who you're listening to. Because if I'm leaning toward a decision that I think may be a little bit outside God's best for my family, I can find my friends who will agree with me. I mean, I know who they are, and I can search them out, and I will find those who affirm my thinking. But if my role, if I embrace my role as mom, that's God-given calling, then I know what's best for my family is God's design and God's desire. So I have to not just choose to share with and get advice from people who will agree with me, but actually go to the people who will share with me wisdom, discernment, and common sense, even if they disagree with me. And that is a decision that we all have to make. Be honest with yourself. So um, prayer and Proverbs, prayer and Proverbs, prayer and Proverbs, I cannot say it enough. So wisdom, discernment, and common sense, because all you're doing is decision-making all day. So now, wisdom, discernment, and common sense, next thing you need to build into your family, trust. Trust. You know how we spell trust? T-I-M-E. Trust we spell T-I-M-E. I remember days when I thought, I did nothing today. I did nothing. Mac would come home from the office when my kids were little, and I would say, I did four loads of laundry, and I went, and he's like, okay. And I go, no, I'm trying to remember myself what I did today. But you know what I did? I was with my kids sometimes. And then there were times when there were seasons when I was working more. And so there were seasons when I couldn't be with them all the time. And that's okay too. What I would do during those seasons, I was so intentional when I was with them. And so whatever your pull is, whatever your season is, remember there will be seasons. You're managing that tension, but we are building trust. Emily, I've said to you guys, I feel bad sometimes because almost all of our discipline examples are with Emily, um, but she gets it, and she um, embraces that role that she plays in our family still. <laughs> and um, But Emily recently, she's 22, she's a young adult, so I'm asking her a lot. As I teach, I'll say, you know, Emily, what do you remember about this? Or what should I say about this? And particularly when it comes to discipline. And I was in North Carolina, Um, Actually, I was in South Carolina um, before I went to North Carolina, and I walked into a church there where my kids attend, and a lady looked at me, and she said, I know you. And I said, oh, I'm Julie. And she said, I saw you speak a couple of years ago. And you know how she introduced me? 
she introduced me, a friend walked up, she goes, this is Julie Richard, she has a strong-willed child. (laughs) Because I realize most of us are seeking help with that. And so when I talk to Emily, I'm like, Emily, I, I tell stories about you all the time, but literally, more than anything else I say, people go, tell me one more time about how what happens when you have a strong-willed child. I need some comfort right now. And so one thing that Emily says, she goes, you know what, Mom? I remember being so mad at you. I remember not understanding. I remember when you guys would give me consequences, I remember thinking you guys were so wrong, but I trusted you. She said, I trusted, even if I disagreed, I knew that you were giving me consequences for my best interest. And I said, well, Emily, how did you know that? Because that's what these moms want to know. How? What, because I didn't know you knew that because really you were not nice. <laughs> and so it's interesting that you say that in hindsight now. But how did you know that? And she said, you know, I, I don't know. I guess I just trusted you because I knew you loved me. And so we dug into it a little deeper. And in our research that Emily and I actually have done together about trust and about the importance of trust in that particularly strong-willed mom relationship, we're going to have a whole lesson on strong-willed kids next semester. Emily's going to fly in, and we're going to do it together. Um, But in that relationship, trust is so important. And we know from research that trust is built one interaction at a time, whether it's trust in marriage, whether it's trust in friendship, whether it is trust in the parent-child relationship, trust is built one interaction at a time. Um, Dr. Brene Brown says it's like putting marbles in the jar, every interaction. So I talk a lot about playing games and about um, how you need to find your child's interests and do that activity with them. Um, Joseph's interest is, you know, he loves college football, college basketball, the draft, all that, I couldn't care less. But I learn about it, and I sit next to him, and we watch the games together because I'm interested in building trust. And so building trust is one interaction at a time, and it's so, so important. Why is it important? Because the next point we're going to say, you see, about our rule about embracing authority, you have to have wisdom, discernment, and common sense. You have to build trust. But trust goes hand in hand with the third one, and that is discipline. Trust and discipline go hand in hand. A lot of people think that discipline means giving consequences. Discipline, discipline. if you look at the root word, it is making a disciple and not just a Jesus-y disciple, but the disciple in the way that you are teaching them what to believe, you're teaching them how to think, you are training them up in the way they should go. Actually, discipline is a great word to sum up Proverbs 22, 6. So if I embrace my role as authority and I understand the value of trust, Now I'm going to pair that trust with the discipline. Again, I'm going to talk in detail next semester about practical discipline. But what I want to tell you right now is our quick and simple recipe for discipline. Every time I speak somewhere, 
people ask me discipline. If we open it up to questions, people ask me specific discipline questions all the time. And basically, if you will follow this recipe, it applies to almost every situation, almost every age. Here it goes. Ready? Number one, establish the desired behavior. Establish the desired behavior. You know what? We'll put this on Instagram, we'll have a little square with it. I have it somewhere. And so we'll post it. So don't feel like you've got to write every word down. Establish the desired behavior. Number two, articulate and model the desired behavior to and for your child. So you decide what you want, and then you articulate it to your child. Then, here it is, give positive consequence when desired behavior is displayed. Give negative consequence when desired behavior is not displayed. Pretty simple, isn't it? You reward when it is displayed, you give the negative consequence when it's not displayed. Here is the key, number five. Rinse and repeat over and over and over and over and over and over and over again and again and again and again. But you're layering in there the building the relationship of trust. You see, because you can't just give the rules, because rules without relationship, look at your notes, I have them in there, rules without relationship build resentment, and I'm going to add, and rebellion. Rules without relationship build resentment and rebellion. You cannot just issue, that's the dictator, issuing the laws, issuing the rules. Now, my job is to make the rules in our home with my husband. I embrace that responsibility but it's paired with relationship. Rules with relationship build respect and responsibility. Rules with relationship build respect and responsibility. And if you go back to our definition of Goldilocks parenting, that parenting that is just right, what is it? It is the transfer of responsibility. We want to build in responsibility to our children. I embrace the responsibility of being the authority, but I understand that my role is to train up a child in the way he should go, so to raise an independent, competent, strong adult, so I'm transferring that responsibility. So I'll have a mom say, my child is 17, and I haven't done any of this. Is it too late? No, it is not too late. First, I would say, what's your relationship with your child like? Get into their world. Get into their interests. Know about them and then have the conversation. You know what? I just realized that my responsibility is to train you up. We're going to do some things a little different around here. But first, I want to make sure that we can work on our trust. So articulate it to them. My child's a newborn. Is it too early for me to start? No. Because you are establishing a culture in your home right now. Does the world revolve around your newborn? Listen, at the beginning, yes, the world revolves around the newborn. But talk to your friends and say, you know what? I have a newborn. I'm going to ask you, don't let me let my life fully revolve around my child. Would you please remind me that I need to date my husband? Would you please remind me that I need to take care of myself? Because yes, a newborn is important and requires a lot of attention. But if you get into those unhealthy habits of putting the child first in your home, you're debilitating your child's growth. And you are hindering the growth of your marriage, which will actually create great stability for your child. And so you pair the discipline with 
trust early, early, early on. And you get those patterns started. Yes, you can undo unhealthy patterns, but man, if your kids are super young right now, great. Now you can go ahead and start the healthy patterns. I want to understand what healthy authority looks like. Talk to people. Prayer, Proverbs, understand that parenting is a bunch of decisions. And you're going to make mistakes. You're going to. And that's okay. But you can't live in those unhealthy patterns. You understand God has given me this home. God has given me this this family. And I want to understand and embrace my role my responsibility to be the authority. Next semester, we are going to talk so much more about discipline and about that responsibility and about what it looks like at different ages. But as we go this week, my prayer for you would be that you talk to your husband, talk to your family, and say, you know what? What's our family's approach on authority? Because ultimately, a healthy view of authority in the home, if you think about it, my children were exposed to authority first with Mac and me. But ultimately, their authority is God. And so I want to be sure that I am communicating to them a healthy view of authority. And so what does that look like in our home? Talk about it. That's my prayer for you this week, that you begin to see yourself as the authority in your home, that you embrace that responsibility, and that you take it on. There is a lot of resistance to authority. But remember, guys, authority means security. And so security in the home, we say all the time, we want a home where our kids come in, get off the bus, get off the airplane, whatever stage they're in, drop their backpack. I'm home, I'm safe, and I like it here. So remember this. There's another quote. I'm just, I'm going to close with this. Love spares children of the shame of their mistakes. Enabling spares them of the consequences. Another thing for you to consider this week, look at your role of authority and say, am I enabling by shielding my child from consequences or am I loving? Loving allows the consequences but protects them from the shame. These are all things that in our world today, you're going to find so many different opinions. But our prayer is that you go to the ultimate authority, that you go to his word, and you find that... Not balance, but that Goldilocks pendulum swing with your parenting pendulum. I'd love it if you bow your heads with me. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your direction. Thank you for the blessing and the calling that you've placed on each mom. Right now, God, I ask that you hover over every mom here, that you remind her, that you have called her to this and therefore you will equip her for it, that you have given her the responsibility of authority and that allowing our children to suffer consequences actually builds their strength and character. God, help us be the moms you've created us to be, to raise children, to discover who you created them to be. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. 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 Thank you, guys.